Go Rams! <laughs> All right, today is Super Bowl Sunday. That's kind of fun. Super Bowl is almost like a national holiday now. And, uh, but uh, I decided I'm going to just go all out. It's the hometown team. I'm going to wear my Rams t-shirt. I've never worn a t-shirt to preach in. And uh, I asked one of our senior members before the service today, you think I'll get in any trouble wearing a t-shirt to preach in? And he says, as long as you don't come bare-chested with an R painted on you, you'll be okay. And uh, so today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and go Rams, and it should be a lot of uh, fun. But I, I show this clip because uh, I, I saw this interview with the coach and as he's preparing for the big game today, and he said something that actually ties us in to our sermon today quite well. He said, and we just heard it, that a football team, they all have to work together to accomplish something bigger than themselves. And that's really what ministry is uh, all about. Us working together to accomplish something bigger than ourselves. And when we think about working together in ministry as a church, we're, we're talking about something far bigger than winning a football championship We're talking about having lives changed by the power of God, both now, starting today, and then for all eternity. Now, that is working together for something bigger, and that is a wonderful thing. And so we've been going through a sermon series as a church called This Is Us, and we've been looking at our mission statement, and now we're looking at our cultural values. And so today's cultural value is this idea of ministry, and we've said it this way, an an approach, not just the idea that we're going to do ministry, but a heart attitude behind it, and that is daring openness in ministry. Daring openness in ministry. Last week we talked about spirit-led sensitivity. It's the idea that we, as a church, we want to be led by the Spirit. Well, that actually flows right into today's message, uh, quite well, because if the Spirit leads us, then we want to be daringly open to however He leads us. The vision team has worked uh, diligently and and through prayer and discussion and discernment to to seek the Lord, how is it that uh, He is leading us, who is it that He is leading us to be? And this is how they have defined Daring openness in ministry. Daring openness in ministry means that we open ourselves to innovate and take necessary risks in going beyond our comfort zone to pursue God's will and purpose for our church and community. That's one of the, that's one of the heart attitudes we want to have as a church. That we want to be, a, that we want to be on the creative side. That we want to be willing to take risks to get, even get outside of our comfort zone, if it means that we are following God's will and purpose for our church and community. That is daring openness in ministry. Before we get into um, some biblical passages around this idea, let's just take a minute and ask for the Lord's help as we uh, look at this together today. Father God, we hear the pitter-patter of the raindrops even around our church, and we are reminded of that idea that Darren brought up, the idea of refreshment by your Spirit. And we just pray now that as we look at your Word, that you would come and refresh our hearts. 
wash over us and make us clean. Uh, Just as water gives life to the plants, God, we pray that you would give life to our souls. And God, that you would speak to, uh, to us, that you'd speak through me and speak through your word. And we pray that as we do, that you'd just be forming us and molding us and making us to be the church that you want us to be. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Daring openness in ministry drives us to try new things to reach new people. And, uh, and this is, one as our cultural value, we want to be creative in ministry, so to speak. Uh, how are we going to reach our community? We, ha- we live in a very diverse neighborhood, and we have felt for a long time, knowing deep within our hearts and our souls that God calls us to reach our community. It takes creativity. It takes a daring openness in ministry. How are we going to help people uh, better connect with the Lord? All of us connect with the Lord slightly different than than, uh, the person sitting next to us. And so there is a creativity there to help us to be sensitive. Lord, how are you helping us to grow our ministry? How can we... we, improve in this way or or that way so that we are able to help people connect with the Lord? How are we to reach people who are different than us? And those might be even just small steps. It takes some daringness to really form a close relationship with someone who is quite older than you or quite younger than you. There is a daring openness in ministry, even just within the fellowship of our church. But then it also could be much larger steps to reach those that come from completely different backgrounds than we have or are, uh, or are a different race or ethnicity or a different socioeconomic class. There is a daring openness in ministry that God is calling us to. Now, when we think of doing new and creative things, I just want to emphasize it is not for the purpose of simply trying to be on the cutting edge. No, it is a daring openness to ministry as the Lord leads. As we said, this ties into last week's cultural values, spirit-led sensitivity, that as the Lord leads, then we step out in faith. Now, let me talk about for a moment that idea of daring. Daring is kind of the the word there that catches my attention, first of all. The idea of daring has kind of a riskiness to it, right? And when we think of daring openness uh, in ministry examples from the Bible, there are many that come to top of mind that, that would have the idea of a certain riskiness. The first thing, the first example that we have comes in the opening chapters of the Bible. Think about the uh, person of the person Noah. Can you imagine there was some riskiness to building an ark when it had never rained on the earth before? Can you imagine what Noah's uh, neighbors thought? Who is this guy that's out building this boat? He talks about water coming from the sky. I can imagine his neighbors thinking, what an idiot. What is this guy doing? But the reason that Noah was willing to be daring in that sense was because God told him to build the ark, right? Now, that would have been a stupid risk if it wasn't for God leading him in that. Think of uh, Abraham. He gets up one morning and 
it says early in the, in the morning, he sets on his way to make a sacrifice of his son Isaac. His one and only, his beloved son. Now we know in scripture that it was not God's will for him that God would stop him from sacrificing his son. But there is a riskiness there. For sure. And the only reason that, uh, that Abraham is willing to do it and to do it so quickly was because that's what God told him to do. Now think of the example of the Israelites marching into the promised land. And here is this huge uh, city of Jericho. These massive walls that are several yards thick. And uh, they are called to take over this city. But how would they ever uh, penetrate these massive walls? God tells them to walk around it seven times. And on the seventh day, seven days, and on the seventh day, walk around it seven times and then blow their trumpets. There's a riskiness there to it. It almost sounds like there's some stupidity there. I can imagine the, uh, the inhabitants of the city shouting their insults down at the Israelites. What are you guys doing? You really think that that trumpet blast is going to crumble walls? And it's, there's some riskiness to it. There's daringness. But the only reason that it makes sense is because God told them to do it. You see, if God tells us to do it, It might look daring to those on the outside, but it's actually the most sane, safe thing we could ever do. To be at the center of God's will is the best place to be, no matter how ridiculous it looks to those on the outside. And we could go on example after example. Moses confronting Pharaoh, Daniel in the lion's den, Peter walking on water. But the commonality in all of these stories is God called them to do it. And that is what we want as a church as well. That as the Lord leads us, it is daring. It looks almost ridiculous to those on the outside. But if that's the Lord's will, it is the most sane and safe thing that we could do. Because God will take it and he will bless it. As a church, we have a, daring openness, we have a history of daring openness in ministry. I can imagine for those of you who are here at the time... It was very daring to move from Baldwin Park to West Covina, right? Here you had a paid-for property and an established ministry, and now you take on a huge mortgage and, this, and you move here. But it was the Lord's will. You sensed the Lord's leading, and look how God has blessed. And surely there was some daringness to saying God wants us to be a community church. I know for a fact that there were many churches in our conference that looked at West Covina at the time and said, what are you guys doing? That, isn't, that can't be the way, that you're, uh, the way the Lord is leading you. But there was leaders that had a heart conviction to say, no, God wants us to be a community church. And there was a daring openness in ministry. And look how God blessed And even since I have been at the church, there's been multiple times where we sensed the Lord's leading this way or that way. And when we acted in obedience, I have been amazed at how the church had an openness. And this is what we want to draw our attention to and to emphasize. God God continues to want us to have a daring openness in ministry. Change is hard sometimes, but change is good. 
if it is led by the Lord. And change can mean that God opens our doors so that we can reach new people with the gospel. And we can help people that have been here even for a long time to grow more and more connected to the Lord. So this is the idea of daring openness in ministry. So let me boil it down, first of all, for us individually and then for us as a church. I just want to make uh, a couple points personally and then a couple points for us collectively. Daring openness in ministry is for each of us. So here are the individual points I want to make. First of all, everyone is called to serve the Lord. Everyone is called to serve the Lord. If you are a Christian, you are a minister. Sometimes I think we relegate uh, ministry to to those that are in leadership, the pastors or the church staff or the deacons, and we say, those are the people that do ministry. Uh, That is a uh, mindset that we need to change. It is all those who are saved, who are a part of the church, who are called to ministry. I went to a pastor's conference this past week and um, meeting all these different pastors. Pastors from all over the country. It was, it was a small conference. It was, it was capped at 20 pastors. But there was pastors from all over. And uh, so I got to meet some interesting people. And uh, we're having a conversation and somebody asked another pastor... Uh, so, do you have any kids? Yeah, my kids are all adult grown children, uh, three of them. Oh, really? Are any of them in ministry? Yes, all three of them are in ministry. Wow, that is wonderful. That's, that's great news. Where, uh, where do they serve at in church? Every one of them serves at my church. You have all three ch- uh, children in your, uh, in your church serving on staff at the church? Oh, no, I never said they were on staff. I said they were all in ministry. And that is the right mindset. It is not just the staff. It's not just those that uh, get paid or even that have certain positions. All of us are called to ministry. Now, that can be inside the church or outside the church. In fact, I should say it should be inside the church and outside the church. Are you a parent? You're a minister. Are you a grandparent? You're a minister. Are you a student? You have a ministry at your school campus. You're a minister. Do you have an office job? You got a ministry. Do you work with your hands? You have a ministry. Uh, Do you you, uh, have any sort of work? That's a ministry. And there is a ministry outside of the church that we need to see as a ministry. This is our opportunity to do the work of the Lord in that place, in our home, in our workplace, wherever it be. And there is a ministry within the church that all of us are called to as well. You see, the two are not exclusive, though. I mean, the two are not opposed to each other. They actually go hand in hand. If we are to be good ministers outside the church, we need the church uh, to to help us to be that, to be a good minister. When we come together as a church and we worship and as we pray, as we serve one another, as we minister together alongside of one another, that's how we are being built up and formed 
to be the ministers that God wants us to be outside these four walls. See, that's the way God has designed it. God wants us to be involved in his work. All of us, everyone, is called to serve. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 uh, uh, leads us in this direction. Now, usually we read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and those are wonderful salvation verses, but I want to take it one verse farther than where we typically stop and look at verse 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's where usually where we stop. And these are very important verses. We see we cannot earn our salvation. It is not by works. But then he goes on to say, but we are actually called to do good works. This is verse 10. Actually, let's read this verse together. Verse 10. Here we go. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's a call to ministry. The the verses before set the context. All of you who are saved, all of you who have received the grace of God through faith, you are God's handiwork. Some translations say you are God's workmanship. God is a worker, and he's working us. He's forming, and he's molding, and he's making us. And then he molds and makes us into his image so that we are workers as well, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're not saved by our good works, but as believers, as Christians, we are called to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, as God called us and saved us and made us and formed us and shaped us, he, uh, he, he is leading us into ministry in which we are involved in carrying out His work in this world. And part of the way He equips us for ministry, especially within the church and even outside the church, but He gives each of us spiritual gifts. As we know, everyone who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes within us, when we are saved, then uh, God imparts to us spiritual gifts. Everyone, all-inclusive, it's a universal thing for every believer. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 and 28 talks about spiritual gifts. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Everyone. And God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helps, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Now, that's a, that's a long list, but that is not an exclusive list. In fact, there's other passages in the Bible that list other spiritual gifts, but it is a long enough list that we get the gist of what is being said here. That God has given us all kinds of gifts for different reasons and for different purposes. He lists here, these are the ones he lists here. The apostles. Apostles are ones that have been given gifts of, uh, of like visionary work and of leading and starting ministries. Our vision team is based on the idea that some of us have been given specifically spiritual gifts along these lines. And then he says, second of all, prophets. Prophets are those that have a heart for the needs of those that are 
oppressed and poor, mistreated and marginalized. When you think of the, the ministry of social justice or what, it, we, what we call in, the, in our church the ministry of mercy and justice, this is, a spirit, this is geared towards those that have spiritual gifts as prophets, teachers, those gifted to explain the Word of God. Some have been gifted with miracles. And I know that there are uh, members of our church that have a gift to just really be able to pray for people and for others to receive healing. could be physical healing, could be emotional healing, but some have been gifted, given that gift. We're all commanded to do it, to pray for those, but there are some who have this specific gift of miracles, of helping Gifts of service and assisting others. I think oftentimes of those that are really gifted in hospitality. It's a gift of, of helping. The idea of guidance. And some passages will talk about discernment of spirits. The idea of a gift of guidance is to be able to have spiritual wisdom to know how the Lord is leading. And then the gift of tongues. Of spe- uh, we see this in Acts of speaking in other languages or, or some have the gift of, of, a, of a prayer language. And there are those in our church that have the gift of tongues. And so from all of these things, we see that as the church is together, we are, we are bound together as the example it uses here is the body of Christ. And so we need people with different gifts. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 drives home this idea. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. These verses are crucial for us as a church. In fact, uh, our, our organizational structure is built around the list that is given here, uh, what we sometimes call APEST, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, and to understand that there is diversity within our ministry. That's how, why we have organized it this way. Now, we'll, I'm sure we have talked about this a lot, and we will more, but, but let me just uh, focus right now on the reason why. These are functions of the church. Four reasons are given here. One, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. That's crucial for today's message, daring openness in ministry. You see, the reason God has appointed some as leaders of ministry is so that everyone else can be equipped not to do the work of the ministry all by themselves, but to be equippers. Pastors and deacons and ministry directors are equippers. Second, uh, second reason, picking up again, middle of verse 12, so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, when we are all working together, that's kind of what Sean McVeigh was talking about. That is when we are accomplishing something greater than ourselves so that we are built up together. You know, on a football team, uh, when we think of ministry, it's, it's kind of like a football team in that it is a, a team sport. you got individual sports like golf and, what, swimming, uh, running, wrestling. 
Those are all individual sports. And then there's team sports. In a team sport, if someone uh, does not do their job, then the whole team suffers. If someone does not hit, make their block, if a lineman doesn't make their block, the quarterback gets creamed. And the same thing within the church. We might not always recognize it. We don't keep track of stats like who got, how many sacks did we give up today. But if, but if we are not following the Lord's calling, we are not as strong together as, the, as a church as the Lord wants us to be. So that the body of Christ will be built up. The third thing, picking up verse uh, 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. When we work together, we are unified. I have noticed that in churches where there is hardly anybody working, you know, you got 5-10% of the congregation doing all the work. Those are the, church that's, those are the churches that splinter and divide. But when the churches are all working together, those are the churches that are unified, that have, a, that have the same purpose and are moving forward together. And then lastly, it says in the verse uh, 13, so that we may become mature, obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When we, serve, when we serve in ministry, we grow in our faith. When we serve in ministry, we become spiritually mature. Okay, today is Super Bowl Sunday, as we have already said. Let me put up a picture here. You know who that is? Somebody tell me. Aaron Donald. This guy is massive. He is a good 300 pounds and quick as lightning. I saw him intercept a pass this year, and he was outrunning receivers. I mean, this guy is a beast. In fact, this guy may be the best player in all of football right now. I mean, this guy is uh, amazing. Uh, Let me show you a second picture. That is Aaron Donald without his shirt on. That is not the type of guy I want to get in a fight with. Uh, in fact, that's not even, I don't even want to get in an argument with that guy. Yes, Mr. Donald, the earth is flat, whatever you say. Like, this is a mean dude. I'm sure he's very nice, but he looks very intimidating. But how do you get to look like that? It's a lot of hours in the weight room, right? And it's a lot of time uh, training. And when I think of us as Christians, you know, I want to be, all of us want to be effective for the kingdom of God. And how is it that we will do that? It means that we will get busy training. We'll get busy serving. And as we serve, God forms us. He molds us. He shapes us so that we do what is listed in this passage, so that we become mature. Now, that's a mature man. And we as Christians want to be spiritually mature so that we can be effective for the ministry of Christ. Second uh, thing. Thing, uh, along the lines of what's this individually, you are blessed when you serve in ministry. And I thought of four ways. We'll go through these fairly quickly. You are blessed when you serve in ministry. You are blessed because you please God in serving. That's God's will for each of us is to serve Him. And it is a blessing to know that we please the Lord when we are involved in His work. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness And all these things will be added to you as well. So we are blessed because we please the Lord in serving. Secondly, we are blessed because we get personal fulfillment in serving. It feels good because we know that, because we are are following the Lord's calling. There is a personal fulfillment. 
Frederick Buechner defined calling like this, the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I know I've shared that in the church before, but I just love that definition so much. When, the, when our deep gladness, there's that idea of personal fulfillment, and the world's deep hurts intersect, that is when there is real personal fulfillment. And so when people are wrestling with where am I going to serve in ministry, I oftentimes start with those two uh, areas. What do you get excited about? What do you love? What gets you up in the morning and you think, that's what I, really what I want to do today? And then what breaks your heart? Where do you see the needs and, uh, of the world around you? And when those things intersect... When what really gets you excited and makes you glad intersects with where you see the greatest needs in the world, then you've got a calling, and then you've got a ministry. Third blessing in ministry, you form deep friendships by serving alongside of others. Last week, I was having a conversation with someone at the church. Last year, I had an opportunity to, um, to uh, do a vow renew, renewal service. Uh, Jackie is here. Jackie, I, I did Jackie and Fernando re, d- renewed their vows. How many years had you been married when you did that last year, Jackie? 25 years, that's what I thought. That was a fun thing. I'd never done anything like that. And they had groomsmen and bridesmaids. And so we were talking about if I was to have, if I was to renew my vows, who would be my groomsmen? They would probably be different than the day I got married. Some of them might be re- uh, repeats, but, there are, but, as I, but as we were talking, I thought if I was to pick out five, at least two or three of them would be members of our church. And that's a wonderful feeling to feel like two or three of your best friends are at the church with you. And how do you get to know people? How do you really form those friendships? There is, when we serve alongside of, some, uh, of someone in the ministry, that is a great way to form deep relationships, to form friendships. And so that is a blessing in ministry. You form deep friendships by serving alongside of others. And then lastly, you advance and build up God's kingdom when you serve. You know, God's kingdom is advanced when we are involved in His work. Romans 14, 17 uh, describes the kingdom like this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, ministry can actually be a matter of eating and drinking, but it's not simply about eating and drinking. It's about when we gather together to eat and drink with one another, if the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is advanced, then it is the kingdom of God. That We always talk about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule and authority of God, which is made up of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When God's, uh, when God's characteristics, these type of things are advanced, that is the kingdom of God. And we are called to be involved in advancing and building up God's kingdom. In fact, that's a blessing of being in the ministry. So application question. What's the next step uh, in ministry for you? When we think of the next step, it's, kind of, it's obviously like walking. 
one step at a time. You can't take three, four steps at once, right? You're going to trip and fall and stumble on your face. It's one step at a time. For some of you, the one step may be from go, go from doing nothing to something. And that would be daring openness in ministry. You, just, you, you try something and you're involved in something, even if it's just one time. Some of you, it may be going from something to regularly serving. You've tried, now you're ready to commit. I'm going to serve every month on the, wor- on, the, on the worship team or as a greeter or in the youth ministry or the children's ministry. And it becomes regular. You serve in the kitchen. And then the next step may be from go from regular to sacrificial. Sacrificial serving is means you really give up your time and your energy. It costs you something. It's taking away from other areas of your life where you could be doing something else. It has some sacrifice. And sacrificial ministries are those that help really shape and mold the church to be who God wants us to be. And then some of you are serving sacrificially. And what would be the next step? I would say the next step is just have joy in serving. Be grateful for the opportunity because you've been blessed to be able to be used intricately in God's work and service. So what's the next step for you? One step at a time. Nothing to something, something to regular, regular to sacrificial, uh, sacrificial to joy and gratitude. Okay, let me uh, highlight just a few things in terms of daring openness in ministry for us as a church. One thing I want to emphasize is that means that we are creative in ministry. I grew up uh, in the home of an artist. My mom's an artist. And so we were always taught, you know, there is value in creativity. And I think that's the case in ministry. I've heard it said that uh, variety is the spice of life. I think creativity is the spice of ministry. That we would do things in diff- that we would just even sometimes it's just experiment. Let's try it this way and see if it makes a difference in someone's life and it t- and it reaches someone else. And there is creativity when there is creativity in ministry. God blesses it. We, got, uh, we just got done going through the book of Acts. And remember what happened in Acts 6? There was a problem in the church. These Hellenistic Jews were complaining against the Hebraic Jews that they were receiving more attention than, than they were. They, these, the, the widows were getting first service when the food was distributed. And so what did the apostles decide to do? will pick out six men to serve the table, and they appointed those individuals to take care of that ministry. Now, that is not prescriptive. Uh, uh, That is descriptive. We're not to follow exactly the same way as the early church did, but we see their creativity, and the same call is to us. How is it that we might be able to uh, reach new people? How is it that we can uh, enhance our service to to draw people into the Lord. Paul said, I have become all things to all people so that by all means possible I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now we know Paul didn't compromise the gospel. He didn't change his theology. But he says, I'm going to do things completely different when I go from this city to this city. 
I'm going to approach it. Uh, I'm going to approach it with different means. And there is creativity in ministry that is healthy and good so that we can continue to grow. As Paul said, may I become all things to all people so that I might reach some. Secondly, we seek to minister to those outside our comfort zone. As the vision team was wrestling with this idea of daring openness in ministry, we uh, really wanted to emphasize that we sense the Lord leading us to at least at, uh, to, to be outside of our comfort zones when we think of ministry. We know that the Lord is calling us to reach those that may be different than, than ourselves. In fact, in doing this, we're following the example of Jesus. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that idea of sinners, all of us are sinners, but those that heard Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. Jesus had a reputation with hanging out with prostitutes and drunks and and those on the outside of society, the ill and the homeless, and those who are not considered to be the quote-unquote righteous. And when I look at the example of Jesus, it helps, it helps me to understand that Jesus went outside of his comfort zone to reach those on the outside edges of society. And we are called to do the same thing, to go outside of our comfort zone, to reach those that uh, may be hurting, to reach those that are uh, all around us, that, it takes some, that there is some riskiness to reach. Now again, when we talk about this, we are not seeking to simply open ourselves up to get hurt left and right and to always be uh, stepped on. But we are calling ourselves to follow the Lord's leading and to be daring. If, and, but to be daring, it is only as we follow the Lord's call. And so we are to be a church. If we are to be a church of daring openness in ministry, that means that we will be strategic and ministering to the hurt, to the marginalized, to the broken, and to the grieving. And that is who God wants us to be. And so the application question for us today, as corporately, as a church, is what's the next step for us as a church? A couple things come to mind real quickly. The first is... As a church, we need to make what, we're, what we might describe as easy on-ramps for ministry. If we want everyone to be involved in ministry, we need to make it as easy as possible to be involved in ministry, to give people opportunities to serve. And uh, Darren taught, Pastor Darren talked about this at the mid-year congregational meeting, forming these uh, easy on-ramps to ministry. That's one of our focuses, that's one of our foci and our uh, goals for this year as a church is to create these easy on-ramps for ministry. That's why we're putting in so much effort into the deacon's ministry, is to help equip all of us to do the work of the Lord. Another thing that we might think of is being innovative in our approach to ministry and seeking to new ways to help people grow in their faith and connect with the Lord to reach the lost. I think that's a step for us as a church. And then lastly, it means reaching 
those on the outside of our church, maybe those outside of our comfort zone. That's a step for us. You know, since I was a kid, I always heard the statistic, and I'm sure that if you've been in the church any length of time, you've heard it said as well, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I believe God's calling us to turn that statistic on its head and to say the ministry of West Covina Christian Church is done by 80%. Now, I'd love to say 100%, but if we had 80% of the, uh, of the church regularly serving in ministry, that would be fantastic. Where we're serving uh, according to the Lord's calling and His spiritual gifting. And that is what is behind this idea of daring openness in ministry. So I invite you, take that step. The daringness, how might I be involved in the work of the church? And this is not just something we want to accomplish. It's not an initiative. This is a cultural value. It's something we want to be ingrained, a heart attitude, that we want to be a part of our church. So let me read the definition one more time. Daring openness in ministry means that we open ourselves to innovate and take necessary risks in going beyond our comfort zone to pursue God's will and purpose for our church and ministry. For our church and community, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn our attention now to the Lord's Supper. And uh, as I do, 